0: In a row? Combat! Hey, what's
1: up, the force around you! I am vengeance. I am
0: the we are playboy. Hasta la vista, baby!
1: Hey everyone, you're listening to Geek Positive, the only podcast that has been trained in the Jedi arts by Count Dooku. I am Ryan Maxwell. I'm Greg Ames. I am so happy. he's
0: a General Grievous quote. Thank you.
1: I've been telling you what I've been re-watching the Star Wars episodes in order, and I just watched uh, Revenge of the Sith, the Revenge of the Sith today. And anytime I see General Grievous, I just think, oh, there's one of Greg's favorite favorite characters. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm, that makes me so happy here. And as, especially because I don't see anyone else talking about General Grievous or giving him I think the respect that he deserves. So, I have I've been waving this flag for a long time. I believe General Grievous was the the subject of our lost episode. Yeah,
0: well, before we turn into geek pause of but that's that's a story for another time.
1: That's another story for another time. So, we <laughs> yeah, have another- I'm glad You got that. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. But we have another story to talk about. This story is a movie that, that we saw in the moving picture theater the other day because th- those are coming back so far. Yeah. Uh, we saw Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the latest Marvel movie. Some people are billing it as the start of Phase 4, which I don't think is exactly exactly accurate. I do believe maybe it's more of the first main movie entry in phase four because black widow felt very side story and not including the disney plus shows but anyways well
0: i've seen them say it with a c- caveat of the first phase four movie progressing the story forward is why i saw a lot of like news stories and stuff titled as i i, I can see that so uh let- let's talk about shang chi
1: um i'll give my thoughts I gotta for-
0: correct you already what's if that if you don't mind bro i gotta throw a quick correction your okay. way it's Shang Chi, which I've been apparently pronouncing it this wrong the entire time as well, so every, I, along with everyone else. Okay,
1: Shang Chi. I, I personally, I think I'm pronouncing it Shang Chi because of Mortal Kombat.
0: Yeah, that's uh, and, and if
1: it, because of Shang Tsung, and then I also realized not only is there a Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat, there is a, <laughs> another villain called Quan Chi. So his yep. name. Now, granted, this character, the character of. Shang-Chi existed before the either of these did it's still confusing especially since I know tons of shit about Mortal Kombat I know like nothing about Shang-Chi like so I went into this into this movie fairly blind I just knew he was a martial arts guy and the character is based on Bruce Lee
0: yeah I'm the same way I've never picked up a Shang-Chi comic in my life now what I have done is picked up comics where he's been a character in it. And uh Gail Simone's Domino Run had a big arc featuring Shang-Chi. Uh, one of the Iron Man books I was reading for a while it popped up for a little bit, but other than that, kind of a blind spot to me as well.
1: Yeah, and I think I just recently became fami- familiar, there was a storyline with
0: Spider-Man called The Way of the Spider that he featured in. Yeah, and that's uh, everything we just brought up is a very different character than what we got in this movie. I feel like I don't know enough to say... I I can't get back to the origins, but from what I know, the origins of Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, is kind of like Stranger in a Strange Land style. Like, came to America to fight the crime after training his whole life. You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, they definitely made a very different movie and took some liberties from what I know. Well, from... From the movie, just based on what I saw in the movie, they
1: did do the kind of you know uh, fish out of water thing with him being in America. But he wasn't fighting crime in America. He was trying to live a normal life. He didn't come here to necessarily do good. He wanted to get away from his family and the Ten Rings organization.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So go ahead. What what were you going to say before I rudely interrupted you and corrected your pronunciation? Um, I think I was about to give my thoughts on the my overall
1: general thoughts on the movie, which. Are kind of complicated. I I enjoyed it. I thought there were parts of it that were a lot of fun. There's a lot of really good action in it. But I it's been a day since I've seen it and like there isn't a lot that's really standing out in terms of like really memorable lines of dialogue. Like, like the action stands out, but there isn't any of those like moments like you remember from like the any of the Avengers movies. You know what I mean? I I do definitely know what you mean like there's no like um you know I'm trying to think of a good one um you know like you know I can do this all day or you know I am Steve Rogers Captain America gets a lot of good quotes or there wasn't any really dialogue exchanges that came out of it that were quotable like past marvel movies which one on one hand it might be showing that not everything has to be a quip which I know but some people have said marvel gets too quippy sometimes but like I said now I'm I'm remembering the action, but I'm not. I don't feel like there's a, there was enough character moments. I I don't know if this is making sense.
0: I I think I'm following you. I I, I do think I am. Now I gotta say, as far as the. How you mentioned dialogue. I'll kind of play on that for a minute here. It's not even the quips. Like, I can do this all day. Because that's not necessarily a quip. But that lets, that's a line that right there, when you see what's going on. This small man being beat down, but he's not backing down. He's definitely outgunned. He will not win this fight. But he's holding his ground. That lets me know this is who Steve Rogers is. I have a clear understanding of the character now and what he is like. It doesn't have to be funny or anything. But I didn't even get, like one of those kind of moments from this, let alone yeah. the quippy side of it. Like, I still can't really tell you who he is.
1: No, I, I get where you're coming from. And
0: it's, it's nothing against the actor or the character. I no, think- no, it's not that it's uh, the movie itself. Yeah. Didn't give me a clear idea of who Shang-Chi is. I know his family. I know what he did in the movie we saw. I got his background a little bit. Like he was raised uh, by his mom, his dad was really hard on him, all that kind of stuff. But still like, Okay, who is he, aside from his Wikipedia page?
1: Yeah, like, who is he beyond, like, we learn that he's been trained since he was a kid to be an assassin, he eventually rejects it and moves to San Francisco, but we don't really, yeah, we don't really feel like we get to know him that well. I mean, we get, we get like, a surface level of it, you could tell that he's, you know, trying to be a nice, normal guy, and he has his best friend Katie, played by Aquafina, who I, by the way, actually, I love her in this movie, I thought I, I like that character a lot.
0: Can I, I'll tell you, two characters stole this movie for me, and it was her, um, Katie, Aquafina. Is that her real name?
1: No, that's, she, um, her real real name is, I think, Nora Loom. She started out as a rapper, and then she eventually started acting. Yeah, um, she had a song that was big on YouTube in, like, 2014 called My Vag. This sounds vaguely familiar, I don't know. (laughs) YouTube it whenever we're done, it's... It's I don't hilarious. Want that in my search history. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. Uh, and she has a, oh she has that show on uh, Comedy Central called Nora from Queens. No, I never saw it. Which is another it's a show. I think it's loosely based on her life in her twenties, her living with her grandparents, and this another one that shows about you know this awkward comedic whatever. But
0: I've seen her around a few times. She seems like a funny person. No, I. She stood up. She was really funny. Me, I will say she started wearing on me though towards the end of it, like. They they could have scaled her back just a little bit in the second act, but she, at the beginning, the middle, the end, and towards the end of a it was really funny, but her shtick, I think just because she didn't have too many other people like who were doing the comedic stuff to play off of with her. Like, she was with a lot of other characters, but no one, like... Really, for it to bounce those kind of funny moments off of, the whole like vegetarian chicken or beef thing on the airplane actually got like a good chuckle out of me.
1: I like the whole oh, st-
0: spoilers, spoilers. Yeah. Oh god, fuck.
1: Put a warning up after yep, that fact. Okay. The you, you people should know the drill by now. I mean, come on. If it's a we watched episode. You know what you're getting. Yeah. So you have nothing to but you have no one to blame but yourselves, dumbasses.
0: Quit being mean to the <laughs> listeners.
1: I, I I I kid, I kid. But yeah, I was going to say, I liked uh, at the end of the movie, when Rever- you know, she was trying to be part of the battle, and everyone was trying to like, you know, no, 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 you're not ready, you're not ready. And eventually she fires the fucking
0: arrow that goes through the, the uh, dragon creature's throat. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, the other character. The sister whose character's name I don't quite remember, and I will butcher it. Uh, spelled X uh, I A. I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, I remember. I know. I can know the I know the spelling of it somewhat, but I there's no way I'm be able to say it. Uh, i sorry. We're, but, we're, but that but,
0: character ruled.
1: I loved it. I loved her. We're a bunch of dumb Amer- dumb Americans here. We're not cultured.
0: I mean, I've been some places, but okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I, she's I'm poking fun of us. I I know what you're doing. I see ya. But her character was awesome. I love yes. that. And it really had that whole, like, Boba Fett at the end of the Mandalorian ending to me, too, with her. I,
1: I didn't even think of that until you just said that. It's like, yeah, I completely see that. And we even commented, I think I commented to you at the end of the movie, uh, we're talking about the, the post credit scene. I mean, she's the leader of the Ten, ten Rings now. Are the Ten Rings good or bad? What's her allegiance going to be? Well...
0: I'm just saying, judging by the bit of ominous music playing, I think they're still going to be pretty bad. I don't remember it being ominous. I mean, I remember it being some rap song, or maybe I'm just thinking of other music. Maybe I'm getting it mixed up with the Boba Fett thing. Maybe it was some. It was like a, a girl power like rap song, if I remember correctly. Oh, maybe it was Aquafina. I don't think it was. I don't think she's released any music in a while.
1: That would be no, fun uh, if that
0: was in it. That would be confusing. So let's get into some of the rest of it. I feel like the trailer lied to us, Maxwell. Oh, I know what the, I know exactly where you're going with this one. Are we talking about Wong versus Abomination? Oh, I thought you were talking about uh Fin Fang Foom. Oh no, we'll get to that. But um they why would they even show this Wong versus Abomination fight in the trailer? Well, I know why they did, because it got people like me go, okay, I'll go see this. But, but- the- Literally the entire fight they showed in the trailer was almost the entire fight. And then you got another, like, three-second scene with both of them, and that was it. And just raised more questions than anything else. Why is Abomination here? What is going on? How is he there? It it seems
1: to me that Wong and Abomination are just randomly showing up in underground uh, cage fights to make money. Is that what they're doing? That's the impression I got.
0: Is it? Is, is that this the impression what? that you get?
1: have you ever had to knock on wood wood? anyways um, because i that's what the (laughs) fuck you and your skull that's the impression that i get (laughs) god damn it (laughs) oh i better knock on wood okay no more Mighty Mighty Boss Stones. And of course, of all the Ska <laughs> bands you pick, it's the one that I actually don't hate. I actually like some of their music, so I'm conflicted <laughs> on this. I don't mind the Mighty Mighty Boss Stones, and then you bring them up of all fucking people. Okay, so... I was given the impression <laughs> that Wong and Abomination are just traveling... To these underground cage fights to make money for reasons—is that how Doctor Strange pays for his shit? Because remember in a uh, Infinity War, they're talking about how you know they have no money because attachment to the physical is forbidden, and it's like, well, maybe I'll make you a metaphysical tuna sandwich.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I have no idea. Maybe it's kind of almost more of a training exercise for Wong. Or do you think,
1: or do you think Wong knew something? He knew something was up, and he knew something about Shang Chi, and he was there kind of to scope things out because then as we said spoilers at the end of the mid at the mid sequence. well actually right before the movie ends then the mid credit sequence you have Wong we're jumping all over the place we have Wong and Bruce Banner and Carol Danvers talking to Shang-Chi and Katie about the nature of the Ten Rings and so do you think he was there because he was trying to find his way to the Ten Rings because they're connected to something in the larger picture of phase four I don't believe in the slightest, to be honest. I think it was coincidence. Okay. So, you know, I think it's coincidence that it could, but it's coincidence, but it could lead to something in terms of him finding the Ten Rings.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Because I forget, did Wong show up in the final battle? No. But, oh, no, no, they said whenever Shang-Chi got the rings, they, its presence was felt
0: all over the metaphysical whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. I can tell. Okay. Um real quick since he did bring up that post credit scene already. Um how about Bruce Banner being Bruce Banner again?
1: Yeah, what what's up with that? Uh I th- I was under the impression he was permanently
0: going to be in Smart Hulk mode. I mean, I'm glad. I like the the, the biggest draw for Hulk for me is the split. So, I don't and, and like it, the permanently Smart Hulk. Thing.
1: And did you notice his arm was in a sling? <laughs> yes, I did, which it was at the end of Endgame cuz he was You know, it was hurt. It was he was injured by the Iron Gauntlet. Is that what they called it? The Iron Man version of the Gauntlet. Their version of the Gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. So at some point, he turned back into Bruce Banner, but he's still injured. So this places this in the timeline. I'm guessing not too far after Endgame. Um, I think we're still in that first few years after. Yeah, this is what that's the five year time jump kind of makes. It's sketchy as to what present day is in the MCU. Well, the five-year time jump and also all movies being delayed by a year due to current world situations have kind of messed with what is present the present day year in the, cinema, the MCU. Yeah, it's better to just not think about it. That's one of those things. The timelines anything get messed up. It's hard to keep track, but it, we have an idea of where they're at. So, OK, where were we? I feel like we just went off on a tangent. Oh, okay, you're talking about the trailer scene that which is basically the entire Wong versus abomination fight, and okay, where the hell did abomination come from again?
0: Oh, yeah, so they don't answer that in the slightest. We have no, no idea where he was, where he came from. I thought he was in prison at the end of Incredible Hulk they I would imagine he was, but I'm sure he could have escaped. It's not that hard for them to do, yeah, especially with the snap and stuff. who knows, maybe he got snapped out and wasn't in prison anymore, and he returned there. who knows. Fun fact though, even though in the
1: movie you mostly just hear him making grunts and noises, they did get Tim Roth back to do that. Why? Continuity, I don't know. I mean, okay. Fine. Maybe maybe they maybe they have plans for him. Maybe this is a teaser for something that's coming up. Who knows? It maybe, didn't even look like the same abomination, to be honest. Well maybe he mutated more. Who knows? I mean, these things happen. Uh, look at the look at the X-Men. I guess so. Even the Hulk's appearance has changed, but that's mostly because he's
0: tailored after a different actor, but whatever. Yeah, so, the big question I was asked by a couple people who, when I told them I saw this movie, was, did you like it more or less than Black Widow? That's a tough
1: question. Is that a tough question? I don't
0: know. These... To me, it wasn't. Okay. I, I like Black Widow more.
1: Oh, like, give me... Yeah, I'm probably gonna lean more towards Black Widow, just because... To me, her finally getting her own solo movie was a big deal. And we've, both of us, we've seen her her character progress so much. It's nice to see her take center stage. Shang-Chi, at this point, is like, we're just beginning his journey. So I'm excited to see what comes from this. I'm hoping this ends up being um, one of those situations, like, with Captain America or or Thor, where the character progresses in the second
0: one and things pick up a bit. You know what I mean? I do, because I won't lie, this is... Pretty damn close to bottom tier MCU for me. Now, that's not necessarily a huge dig. If you know me, you know you know that I love the MCU. So being bottom tier, MCU is still good. Yeah. But I won't lie, this felt like the biggest step back in a long time. And I hate to say that because I know that culturally this was an important movie. This was the first MCU movie with a predominantly Asian cast which is huge, and I'm not... That is not one bit of my knock before anyone comes on that. I still have to talk about it as a movie, though. Yeah. Nothing I say is about that, because I am a huge supporter of that, more inclusion, all of this. Like, we need more representation yeah. in these movies, but that doesn't mean that the movie that they do that with automatically gets a pass for me. Like, it just, to me, didn't hold up nearly as well as almost anything else.
1: Well, I remember seeing in some of the... um early press for this movie they were saying that they this they hoped hope that this movie would be for the asian-american community what black panther was to the african-american community and i could easily say like okay we're two white guys we don't pretend to be experts on anything but i I acknowledge black panther was a great movie it was great in terms of showing representation that hasn't Always been there in movies, but it was a great movie too. Shang Chi was a decent movie, but I don't think it's going to have
0: the same impact. You know what I mean? No, because Black Panther was legit a great movie. Yeah, that's that was the difference. This was I the representation, awesome, A plus. The movie itself, not an A plus. No, we don't want to wade in these waters too much because we don't want well, be- I, 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 to. I want that was more for yeah. my sake. Yeah. Look, I'm not because well, I didn't want anyone coming at me and saying Greg yeah. didn't like it because of this. Yeah. Cuz oh, honestly I, the internet right now I have seen like it, it sucks because I if I see people like criticizing the movie not like trolling it and saying it was terrible but like bringing up things I'm seeing a lot of people getting that thrown in their face. Yeah.
1: Like we said we are how would I put this? We're just acknowledging the cultural and the representation aspect of it, while also commenting commenting on our thoughts in the movie as a whole. I, I just said, I enjoyed the movie, but just parts of it kind of fell flat for me, me in terms of story and
0: characters. Yeah, like, a lot of it. And even, like, the action, and honestly, until you get to the big battle at the end, even, like, with the cool kung fu action, I feel like if I didn't just see Mortal Kombat, I would have liked the kung fu action a lot more in this. But this fell way shorter than what we got in that movie to me. So I'm like, uh, and it, it felt, what's the word I want to say here? Too polished. Is, does that make sense? It definitely had that like, not CGI, but maybe CGI touched to it a little bit. To where it didn't feel gritty, like fight at all. And was the wrong tone for a martial arts style fight. It was almost cartoonish.
1: Maybe I maybe like it just felt too
0: perfect. I should say I kind of get what you're saying. Like Daredevil, if you ask me, although it's not like necessarily a martial arts movie. Although I guess you could say that not movie. I'm talking about the Netflix series, by the way, which I know you didn't see, but you'll get my example. There's, I'm sure you know about the hallway fight scene of like there's like one in every season, isn't there? Yeah, but that is still a lot of like fight choreography and everything, but done, like, in a realistic, cool way. And I'm not talking about, oh, they're doing things they shouldn't be able to do. I'm okay with this, like, superhuman stuff. Like, she was from an uh, ancient god magic village, and he had these magic rings. I'm cool with them being able to do superhuman things, but just didn't feel like they were doing any of it, I guess. And I I know they did all the stunt work and everything, but just felt too airbrushed and polished over The issue
1: is maybe that you're getting at here is while it is a movie that relies heavily on martial arts, it also has a very strong fantasy element to it. And because of that, I think it's, it's very bright and colorful and polished. And that's what might be is what is maybe just what's maybe distracting you from the potential grittiness of the fights is the fact that they, they have to lean also into the fantasy element of it. So they can't go, too
0: dark. That Maybe because it's shot like an MCU movie, which MCU movies, the action scenes are shot for, I guess for lack of a better term, sci-fi action. Yeah. And it's still shot that way, but it's the other another type of action, so it doesn't mesh well. But then it's also a movie that ends with two
1: giant dragon, dragons fighting each other.
0: Oh yeah, and that's, that's a big, you know, me and you have talked long enough, like, two giant CGI monsters going at it, Just doesn't do it for... I I think I can speak for us, but I'll say for me. Because usually, like, when it's just just CGI versus CGI, no real element in there at all, it gets pretty... You you can see through the uncanny valley, for sure. Well, except for uh, Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, that was my other show. If you listen to that, though, I did praise that on it. I said this is weird how it's an exception. Like, they did their work on this to where... Normally, I'd be having this complaint right now.
1: Well, I think I think also why uh, Godzilla versus Kong can get away with something like that is the fact that let's be honest. In the movie called Godzilla versus Kong, you're not really too invested in the human characters. You know what you're there for. So I think yeah. it's a matter of expectation versus what you get. You go into Godzilla versus Kong, you're expecting two giant creatures fighting each other in, in a CGI slugfest. You go into Shang Chi. Thinking it's going to be a martial, art, martial arts heavy movie, and it is in places. And then you get this giant CGI dragon fest at the end. The tone is very, the competing tones are very uh, jarring. Yeah, I think so. Don't get me wrong, though. I like seeing giant CGI dragons fighting each other. I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. It's just, it's weird, a little off putting in the context of everything else that's going on in this movie.
0: That's why I just yeah. throw that out there. Since you brought up the dragons, I, my disappointment knew no limits that one of the dragons was not Fin Fang Foom.
1: You see, I'm not very overly familiar with that character. Could you give me some, uh, me and the audience, some backstory?
0: Fin Fang Foom is just a cool dragon who wears purple shorts who fights Iron Man a lot. And I was under the impression that this dragon we saw in the trailer was finally being Marvel, bringing him out. I don't know why it wasn't. He would have been a cool villain to be locked behind that door. Why didn't they just do that? Is he that huge in
1: the comics? Yes,
0: he's enormous, yes. But he has purple pants on and legs. Yeah, you can get rid of the purple pants. Okay. Here's... Just have some dragon dick flopping around. There's an image?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. I just remember the demon dick from This is the
0: End. See? Exactly. Like that. (laughs) You're not going to see that in a Marvel movie. <laughs> uh, speaking of things you're not going to see in a Marvel movie, though, I gotta say, this kind of rubbed me wrong from the beginning. Katie and Shang-Chi, Sean at the time, their their job, they're valet parkers, they take cars out, they go crazy and go to karaoke all night until they have to be at work in two hours, they go to work, like, that's their lifestyle. Did it not seem like they were trying to do a really PG version of what two twenty something 20-something-year-olds where they walk you right up to like, hey, they're at the bar and drunk and everything. I'm not saying make them alcoholics or anything, but it did not seem very much like a Nickelodeon or Disney Channel version of what the crazy wild night out on the town is like. Uh maybe it's because of the valet
1: parking. It kinda of reminded me of Ferris Bueller, which isn't too far off. I mean, they are teenagers and these are supposed to be twenty somethings, but yeah, I, I kinda it's like it's almost it was almost sitcom
0: esque. Yeah, I'm not saying make them drug addicts or alcoholics in the slightest, but, like, I felt like they were trying to be, like, oh, these crazy people, no response. Like, they walked you right up to that line, but it's like they had a censor being, like, no, 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 none of that. And Which I get if it wasn't established, hey, we can do this with other characters already.
1: We already had a drunkard in the Marvel Universe with Iron Man, so...
0: Well, like I said, I'm not saying they have to be, but, like, it just seemed like the scene was that but minus that. I'm not saying they need it, but it felt odd to me. When he was Sean, Sean and Katie
1: also have that weird sort of like, hey, we've been best friends for 10 years, but we're we're just friends. We're never going to get together. And I really feel like by the end of the movie they're a couple. They don't explicitly
0: tell you it, but it feels like they are. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there was a scene cut because there's nothing wrong with just be it two characters, one guy, one a girl being platonic friends. But they had so many of the lines about it. Maybe that was a theme. Like, even if people are expecting you to, you don't have to be a couple. But they didn't make either clear. Like, I feel like there was either a scene where they establish these are just two really good friends. Or these are going to be a couple at the end. And they forgot to put both of them in.
1: Well, they had the one scene whenever um, Sean was picking Katie up for work. Where um, Katie's, I think, grandmother or something says, when are you two going to get married? It's like, oh, we're just friends. But then they don't have anything else that either confirms that or expands upon it, you know what i mean? That's what I meant with the setup. Like they had the setup to we're going to get
0: one way or another establishment. That
1: that scene must have ended up on the cutting room floor with the giant floppy dragon dong. Exactly. I mean, I don't know which one I would have rather had in, but Dragon Dong easily any t- any excuse for Dong's. Yeah, now did you feel
0: that this did you feel MCU when you watched this movie?
1: Uh Somewhat, it it had a different. I don't know. The feel of it seemed different. I it felt really MCU whenever you know the you know Wong and them showed up, but it did feel very much separate from it because maybe because they are starting a new phase, so they're trying to introduce new characters. So the fact that it's this um new new story with the new characters, I think may takes you out a little bit of the MCU MCU iness of all that, if that's the word MCU ness But I understand I know you mean the, yeah. that feel, but there's it, it makes sense that it would feel that way because they're trying, they're trying to expand with new characters. You can't just keep using the same characters over and over. And we're gonna be getting into the like, I don't want to say bottom barrel, but like we're getting an Eternals movie next, and I, that's another property I don't know like shit about. So it's how much that is going to be reminiscent of other MC movies, I don't know. But maybe we need
0: something that feels different, or else it's going to get boring. Max, while you're reading my mind, uh, because I was going to say, and we have Eternals next, which, to me, I think if we look at Phase 2, for example, Guardians of the Galaxy had nothing to do with anything that was established. No. But what they did, they started Phase 2 with Iron Man 2, I mean, Iron Man 3, The Winter Soldier, and then Guardians of the Galaxy. might not have been that order, but you get the idea. Those were like the first three. And Guardians of the Galaxy was so separate, but you also had... Okay, look, we're going to give you something wildly different. Here's this, though, to keep the story going for how different that is. We had Black Widow, but that was also set before what we've seen. So I almost feel like it would be better if No Way Home came out either before Shang-Chi or before Eternals. Like, switch them up. New one established. New one established if we're going to do this. So wait, when do you think No Way Home should come out? Either before Shang-Chi or before Eternals, depending on whatever release order they wanted to do. But drop one of the new ones, then that one, and then the other new one.
1: But instead, we're getting Eternals in November and Spider-Man in December. Yes. Hmm. So I, I think I get what you're saying that, you know, if you're introducing something completely new, put something familiar and then something new to balance it out.
0: Exactly. So you're not, because let's be honest, anything new is a risk. Yeah. Um to me this was a risk that didn't pay off as much like I said. I and I'm not trying to talk shit. It just didn't get me that well. So I wonder like if that's the big case for people after we've already waited so long for the MCU to kick back off, wouldn't it be nicer, at, hey, here's something you know and love.
1: Well, I that makes sense, but I, I sadly I think the just the practical logistics of it did not work out because of everything getting delayed and that's that's another problem too is the fact that not all movie theaters are open yet and not everybody is comfortable going to the movies yet so that's going to be a problem I think I mentioned on an earlier podcast um, Most uh, nowadays most theatrical movies have a 90 day exclusive theatrical window before they go to f- like streaming, home media stuff like that, I think I mentioned that before yes? Yeah that's typical uh, Sha- uh shang chi only has a 45 day exclusive theatrical window which means i don't think that means it'll be on disney plus after 45 days i think that means it will be on uh digital on demand like like five bucks on voodoo for exclusively for a while and then you know for the few people that still buy dvds and blu-rays it'll be that on home at this point home media is pretty much digital rental streaming and then I'm get by the end of the year I'm willing to bet this will be on Disney Plus as a regular so the way movies are being consumed is changing in very weird ways because of the current world situation and I don't know this is going to get very box office technical but I don't know how you calculate the success the financial success of a movie in that fashion because it before movie came out made 500 600 700 or a billion dollars it made a shitload of money it was successful it makes sense you could follow that easily now it's like black widow made 200 million dollars in theaters but it's going, when it comes out it made x amount of money on premier access or like the suicide squad it came out in theaters i think it underperformed but me and you both saw that movie in theaters paid cash for it one time yes But it was also available on HBO Max. I watched that three more times on HBO Max. So how do you calculate the profit of that? You know, I watched it three times on a service that I'm spending $15 a month on to watch everything. How do you calculate the success of a
0: movie that way? I have no idea, and I'm sure by the end of the year they'll have some concrete way that they do it. Looking back, but I don't know. Yeah. This
1: is all, like I said, this is all box office jargon. And I find stuff like this to be interesting. I know it's probably boring some people, but I just, in terms of how you determine whether or not a movie is successful, especially in franchises, how you d- do you determine that something is successful enough to continue a franchise? Now, so the MCU at this point, they can have a few hiccups and not worry about it. I mean, any movie that came out this year is going to have like an asterisk next to its box office because of the fact that. Not everything was open, not everybody was comfortable with it, and you had all these hybrid releases. And the question is, and I think we discussed this before, what do you do when the cat has been let out of the bag? Yeah, can you close Pandora's box after you've opened it? Can we ever get back to a normal theatrical window, then home video streaming release
0: pattern again?
1: That I don't know.
0: I don't think we'll have these. That would be up to the United Movie Studios, joking yeah. aside. like They would almost have to come to an agreement for their own sakes. Yeah, the United Movie Studios, they're not talking to us right now. No, they, they got wind that we were making fun of them. Yeah, I, I guess that'll happen whenever I make fun of them, stupid jerks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to point out positives in this movie, though. I, I've been a bit harsh on it. I think that battle at the end was really fun. I liked it a lot, and... Oh. The opening montage, although the opening dialogue and exposition, went entirely too long. But that scene of Shang-Chi's father riding on the horse with the ten rings against a full army was pretty badass. I like that. We haven't even talked about the ten rings that much,
1: the actual weapon. I actually, I thought they were pretty cool. Yeah, I did too. I How were they, how... Did they... How were the rings in the... Well, for one thing, they call them rings. Aren't they technically bracelets if you wear them on your wrist?
0: They're very much bracelets, yes. Okay.
1: I think... Because in the comics, they were actual rings, right? I believe. I don't know.
0: I told you, I didn't know enough about oh. Shang-Chi. Well,
1: and also, this is a side tangent. Uh, you brought something up related to this before, and then we didn't uh, continue on it. You had mentioned about how uh, Fin Fang Foom was a guy that fought Iron Man a bunch of times, right? Yes. Iron Man has also fought the Mandarin a few times. Why is Iron Man getting these weird kind of like mystical villains? Because it's the one thing he can't outsmart and outtech. Okay, that actually makes a lot of sense, but it just, to me, it just seems so weird. You have a character that's like Iron Man that's so rooted in technology and stuff that is feasible fighting magic. That's why I was, that's why whenever they did the fake Mandarin... I didn't mind it because I never understood the Mandarin as being Iron Man's primary villain. And a lot of this may be influenced by the fact that I watched the crappy Iron Man and and made series growing up. And the Mandarin was just f- freaking ridiculous on that show. And I just did not like the, k- the way the character was presented. Yeah. I
0: think when you have up against magic and mysticism, it's because uh, Iron Man is a stone cold scientific atheist like character. You know what I mean? So yeah. when you put him up against stuff like this, it, is really an oh shit moment for him. So I think that's why you get a lot of villains like that for Iron Man.
1: But the problem with that is that doesn't work when you're establishing Iron Man in the movies because of the fact that he's very tech-based. The movies did do a very good job of slowly integrating him into that world to where the fact, when you get to the fact that Thanos is throwing a moon on him, on Titan, you do not doubt it for a second. Everything is built up to the point where it's like, Iron Man's in space fighting the Mad Titan, getting a moon thrown at him. Okay, I believe that. But you could never do something like that in the first Iron Man movie. No, you have to build to it. So that, that was just a side change I had. It was, I just thought it was weird that some the, the matching of villains. But anyways, we were talking about... Well, you brought up the Mandarin, so yeah. let's go on that. Yeah, we haven't really talked about him much. The Mandarin, or what was his name in this? One way... Oh, I thought it meant Steve Trevor. I mean, not Steve oh. Trevor. Trevor the Mandarin. <laughs> well, all of them really. Okay. Well, the real Mandarin. This his name is Wenwu. That's his real name. Okay. okay. And oh, well, was we a... not the Mandarin. He hates that name. Well, that's he's the, the leader of the Ten Rings. Le- okay. But he, this his character, I, from what I understood, was almost very much reinvented for the movie because in the movie, in the in the comics. Shang-Chi's father was... God, I hate this name. His name was Fu Manchu. Yes. It's a very bad Chinese stereotype. And there was no way of reworking that to make it plausible. So they went with a variation of the Mandarin named Wenwu. And I think that works better. I think his character... The the real version of the Mandarin... I'm just going to say the real version of the Mandarin everyone knows who we're talking about I actually did like that his character a lot and I thought there was an interesting dynamic between him and his kids it did further the fact that Marvel movies have people with so many dad issues in it man oh yeah but I I, I did like him and I do I do like the fact that at the end of the movie he does become somewhat sympathetic and he lets whatever the giant demon creature he sacrifices himself to save him his son and he gives him the ten rings
0: Yeah, look, I feel like them calling this, even though it is, the Ten Rings, and calling the terrorist organization in Iron Man the Ten Rings created about 15 minutes of exposition and dialogue that we could have avoided.
1: Well, here's another thing, too. Going into this movie, I did have the thought of, are they even going to address the fake Mandarin and the fake Ten Rings from Iron Man 3? Are they going to gloss over it? Not only did they have Wenwu explain it,
0: Fucking Trevor came back. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what? That first scene where they introduce him, I'm like, Ben Kingsley didn't actually come to set for this. Did you have this thought, too? Because they had a them standing in the foreground and him in the background shot, and then just solid on-him shots for, like, five minutes. And I'm like... Oh, he didn't actually come to set. They could get Ben Kingsley for a day afterwards and they put this in. But then he ended up in the rest of the movie. So I was really perplexed by this
1: afterwards. So when they, when they first showed him in the background, my first thought was that guy looks so fucking familiar, but I can't quite place him. And then I did the close up and it's like Ben Kingsley's back. I wasn't expecting this and I didn't expect him to be to come along for us for the rest of the journey but I liked the how they explained it that basically the real mandarin was going to kill him and then he put on a performance and
0: basically became like a court jester. Yeah, it, it was funny. Now, I I do have a theory for about my thing I just said with the weird camera and it's like he's not in the same room as them. This was filmed during COVID. That Which is... This is the first credit in a movie that you pointed out to me that I've ever seen. What was it called? Like uh, co- COVID co- Precaution Manager or something? COVID-19 Test Coordinator. Yes. So I think Ben Kingsley is getting up there in age. Yeah. I bet he tried to have as many scenes as far away as possible. And that's why most of the scenes that he's actually playing off people physically is him and Morris, the headless... Dog chicken
1: thing. I never thought of that. But yeah, this movie did get shut down briefly because of COVID and eventually started up again with whatever precautionary measures. So yeah, there there is a possibility that they kept Ben Kingsley in a bubble. Like, no
0: joke, I think they did because nothing stood out more and i wasn't even thinking about covid than that first introductory shot of him and it's the whole scene all the dialogue they're never in frame together except for very far away at one point and everything like oh shit they're literally doing this like i didn't think of this until like on my drive home when i was thinking that was a weird shot why did they have that now well now i'm gonna have to i i always said i was gonna
1: Give this a rewatch when it's on Disney Plus, but now I have to to see how his scenes stand apart. I mean, the majority of his interaction was with the headless, two assed, fuzzy creature, which is CGI. Morris. And Morris. His name was Morris. And Morris.
0: His name was Morris. Okay. Morris. Yes, get it right. Give this amazing character and actor the respect they deserve. <laughs> the CGI. Animal with two asses? Oh! Speaking it! I was joking, I was an actor, but there is a really good actor who voiced Morris, we saw in the credits. Oh yeah, you mentioned that in one but of the it, credits. D. Baker, D. Bradley Baker, uh, the voice of all the clones in Star Wars The Clone Wars, if it's the same D. Bradley Baker I'm thinking of, was the voice of Morris, which makes sense because he works with Disney, uh, was, made all the grunts and noises for Morris.
1: It's so weird that they get these actors, some of them big names, just to do grunts and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and even though this one had dialogue, but like going back to the Suicide Squad with Stallone being King Shark, I love like this trend. Yeah, well, I'm just checking. It's yes, a fun thing. fact do you know who voiced Gizmo in Gremlins? Who? Howie Mandel? Really? Yes. How did I not know that? I mean,
1: I've seen Gremlins when I was a kid, I haven't seen it in forever. For some reason, I really liked Howie Mandel's stand up when I was
0: a kid. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) I've never heard of a child enjoying Howie Mandel stand-up.
1: Okay, I used to watch that cartoon Bobby's World, and he was like the main guy behind that show. He did live-action segments for it, so somehow I got into his comedy because of that. Okay. But I did just look it up. Yeah, it it is the D. Bradley Baker from The Clone Wars. I just confirmed it. That's awesome. That, That rules. I love that he made his way into this movie somehow. Let me double check. I just want to make certain here. But good to God, this god this guy has done a lot of stuff.
0: Oh yeah. I was joking when I said give him his credit. He deserves it. I'm like, what well, actually I guess this one does deserve it. But yeah, so I think it was all COVID protocol with Ben Kingsley, which is interesting. And during the whole like oh. underground, we say underground, but it was very above ground fight scene. I noticed a lot of the background characters had masks, but it honestly didn't seem like. I think it was because of COVID, but they made it seem more like in this world, like well, seedy underground, covering their faces and things like that.
1: Here's the thing that I think a lot of people in this country don't understand, and not to be—I'm not trying to be, preach about other cultures. This is just something I've learned during all of this. And a lot of Asian countries, when someone is sick, they choose to put a mask on to not spread their sickness to other people. So that's a, actually a thing. Oh, I got that, but these didn't look like those masks. These were cool, tricked-out, neat-looking masks. But what I'm saying is, people in other countries actually give a shit about not getting people sick.
0: Yeah, but I don't think that's what this was at all. I mean, in reality, I do, but in this movie's world, I don't. Okay, I just confirmed, what was that guy's name? D. Bradley
1: Baker? Yes, he did do the voice of Morris and Shang-Chi. He also did the voice of Sebastian the Rat in the Suicide Squad. What a killer year he is having! <laughs> that is fucking and bad batch. Yeah, <laughs> he oh is killing god. it right now. That is so fucking random. I'm just looking at his filmography. He's been on SpongeBob. Uh, don't want to go too off on the tangent, but yeah, this guy has a friggin' insane career here. Oh, he's got it. He's got it. Oh, oh my god! Extreme Ghostbusters, the Angry
0: Beavers. <laughs> the Powerpuff Girls, and a lot of these just say various characters. Yeah, because he voices a lot of people throughout it. Oh, another fight scene I wanted to talk about that I actually really enjoyed in this movie, Um, the skyscraper fight scene. Oh my god, the skyscraper fight scene made me so uncomfortable. Oh, do you not like
1: heights? I I didn't think I didn't have a fear of heights, but just watching that scene, I was like, God, I would be fucking shitting myself and I'd be dead if I was in that situation. I don't know why. It really freaking got me I like I never thought I had a fear of heights, but I just imagined myself in that situation and I'm like I'd be fucking dead. I don't yeah, know. I, it was I so, love it, that. It was so, I don't know. It was such a weird moment for me to have in theaters, and I don't know why. I, just, I was just like, oh God, like, if this ever happens to me, which I don't know why it would. Like,
0: I was just saying, what situation <laughs> is this happening
1: to you? But if I'm ever on the scaffolding of a building being built in China, I'm fucking dead. Being chased by ninjas. Yes. being. I don't know about you. I get chased by ninjas all the time.
0: Oh, that, no, it doesn't usually happen to me. Oh, well, you're obviously not living your life on the edge. No, the Foot Clan fears me. I'm good. Okay, that's good. Um, Yeah, but that scene I thought was incredible. I really did like that. So, like I said, even though I came away saying I didn't love it, there were still things I liked. Oh, all of the action sequences were great.
1: Uh, that the, We didn't even talk about the bus battle, like which is like the big introduction of, being like, hey, this guy's a friggin' martial arts badass. Because I couldn't get over the guy with the machete
0: arm. The whole bus battle. Okay, he has a name. It's Razor Fist. Look, I'll take Razor Rob over Razor Fist any day of the week. I would rather have had Razor Rob be the villain. Can I start calling Rob Razor Fist Rob? Do you think he'd no. hurt me? Yeah, he'd cut you with his Razor Fist.
1: <laughs> uh, and the fact that Razor Fist had a car with his name spray-painted on it. <laughs> Oh yeah, very that's... subtle.
0: Also like uh
1: razor face, that's almost as bad. Ra- no, not uh, razor face. Razor
0: fist is almost as bad as taser face. Yeah. No, I get why they had so much of this movie what, would the language have been mandarin? I I don't know. Chinese. Oh, Cuz there's different Chinese languages. I there's Cantonese and I I don't know. But anyway, whatever language they were speaking, I get why because it's set in that part of the world, but man, I felt like I was watching Lori's Bastards, which is one of my favorite movies, but it's like reading a fucking book with how much subtitles is going on. You see, subtitles have never bothered me for some reason, so
1: it just didn't phase me. And I understand from a story perspective, if you're having a movie that takes place, like, in China, and everybody in it is Chinese, there's no reason for them to randomly be speaking uh, English, you know what I mean?
0: Well, I can use my suspension of disbelief and know they're actually speaking Chinese, but to Uh, me, the audience is speaking English. I know, I think it's
1: just, I just think it's probably a choice to be more accurate, I guess, which
0: I guess I can understand. But here's the thing, it's a Marvel movie, so you know what I like doing in Marvel movies is fucking background searching, which I can't do when I have to read the bottom of the screen the entire time. Well, that's why Marvel wants you to go fork over money and see it again. No, I
1: saw it once. They don't get any more out of me. You know what? It's so weird, because I used to see Marvel movies, like, two or three times each, but these last two, I've just been like, I I was like, I'll just wait until they're on Disney+, Plus, which I guess could also speak to the fact that we're becoming accustomed to, you know, not instant gratification, but, you know,
0: it's going to be on streaming sooner than later. Well, no, my thing is, like, I only do that with the bigger ones, like Avengers movies or Civil War, like, things like that. I'll see multiples. Usually, I don't.
1: I, see, I think I've seen most of the Marvel movies at least twice. There's probably one or two in there that I didn't,
0: but... Also, speaking of like how I mentioned the subtitles, Mank, we had one heavy exposition intro on this, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, the, how the, long uh, do you think like, until we got to Sean? It must have been like a solid 20 minutes of background. Uh, I, yeah, I don't even know, but I mean, they,
1: they had to set up the story, but yeah, some, I believe the ter- term in uh screenwriting is called an exposition dump. Yeah. Which is, you know, sometimes you just need to get the information out there and sometimes it works and sometimes it's a little bit clunky. This was like a Chipotle expo- exposition dump right here. There's something I want to touch on that they touched on in the movie. Okay, so. Obviously the joke is made, his real name is Shang-Chi, so he changed his name to Sean. Haha, <laughs> get it, blah blah blah. So is is his last name in America still Chi? I have no idea. So did he go from being Shang-Chi to Sean-Chi? Yeah, very good at... That makes it like, really like, why'd you even ch- change your name? It's practical. <laughs> because I thought she was calling him Shang the whole time, I didn't realize she was calling him Sean. Yeah, no, I saw I saw early on his name tag said Sean on it, and, uh, okay, yeah. and I remember seeing in the trailers where he was talking about not like, saying, you know, I thought I could move and change my name, so I, I, I had the sense in it that he was going to be going by an alias, but yeah, I did see the name tag pretty early on. Did
0: they make the Obi-Wan Kenobi joke, or did I make the Obi-Wan Kenobi joke? I don't remember. What was the Obi-Wan Kenobi joke? Like, it's like changing your name from Obi-Wan Kenobi to Ben Kenobi. I think you made that, I don't think that was the okay. I didn't remember, honestly. It's kind of sad we're at the point where this is, our lives is like, we're blurring. Like, did the movie say that, or did I come up with it? Yeah, they should have made that joke. That was the obvious. And it keeps in the Disney family. All, all of corporate is happy. So, obviously, Disney should be asking you to punch up their dialogue. Exactly.
1: So, uh, Mr. Disney, I know the United Movies Council is currently mad at us, but uh, Greg is available for uh, dialogue rewrite work. Exactly.
0: Well, that's all, I guess... I'll say this on Shang-Chi. If the question is should you see it? And my answer to an MCU fan 100%. We got to see all this shit. Now, to a person who watches the Avengers and the occasional other ones, do you need to see it? Probably not. I I'd rec- Hmm I'd wait till it's on Disney Plus if you're casual. Yeah, that's a fair assessment, and we're not trying to rag
1: on the movie. We're pointing out our thoughts on it. I say this, Molly. I'd say if I had to give this movie a a uh, letter rating, I'd give it a solid B.
0: I mean, I'd probably be a little less, but I, I, that's, I, I and and you listeners know I'm never purposely negative. So no, I go into all these like wanting everything to be good because I don't want things to be bad. I I go into things wanting to enjoy them. I, this one just didn't hit it for me. I'm not saying this sucked and no one should watch it. That's just my take, and you got Maxwell to balance me out if you yeah. prefer the more positive side on this one, which I normally am.
1: Like I said, and my thought is, you know, it has its weak points. It definitely has a very protracted, slow down middle section, but it has some good action at the beginning and the end of it. And, you know, it has some cool moments with the characters that just a lot, sometimes it just feels like they could have done more with them, and maybe they will. I mean, we've like I said, we've had several Marvel characters. Thor did get Thor didn't get a great movie until his third movie, so anything is possible in the world that we live in.
0: I'll say that first movie was still a lot of fun though, and yeah, I, I didn't walk away from that with this feeling. Yeah.
1: Thor, Thor first Thor was a very fun origin movie. Like same thing, yeah. I, th- I think people are is it me or people out there a bit too harsh on Captain America: The First
0: Avenger? I feel like there's people out there that say eh, it's okay, and I really like that movie. No, I I'm with you. I think that first one's great. Now, I do I like the more political intrigue Captain America we get in his later movies. Of course, I do. But I think like, first movie is still a very fun World War II period piece. Yeah, I'm thinking. I was I was thinking maybe it's
1: because the Winter Soldier overshadow it. Over- overshadowed the first one so much that people were kind of like oh the winter soldier is awesome and the first one was okay but the first one was a really cool world throwback retro world war ii but also with like a sci-fi element to it but then they steered off into like spies and espionage and stuff like that so i think it could yeah it was more of a retroactive like the winter soldier was amazing amazing the first one was decent but i i yeah. we both of us stand by the first Captain America as being a fun, like retro type
0: movie. 100%. And uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up for this episode. Yeah. So if you guys want to follow us, you can catch us on Instagram at geek positive on Twitter at geek positive 37. There's a Facebook group geek positive. You can join if you want more of me. I'm on a podcast at least on Fridays called throbbing with horror and make sure you guys rate and, yeah, give us a five-star rating, subscribe to the show, so you always get the episodes right when they drop, and that's my whole little end of episode And
1: um, Be sure to tip your waitress. Um, yes. And then, next episode, we're not going to tell you what it is, but it's going to be epic.
0: Just tell, uh, just, just tell them
1: the number, in case they don't notice. All I'll say is, our next episode is episode number 37, and if you don't understand what that means, I cannot
0: help you. And we wouldn't want to help you because the job would be great if it wasn't for the fucking customers. Yeah, bunch of savages. Right.
1: Bunch of savages in this town. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I've been Ryan Maxwell. I'm Greg Games. All right. Thank you for listening. Stay safe.